Hello and a warm welcome to everyone tuning back into the show. As always at the top of the show, I'd like to kick off with our medical disclaimer. The information, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, articles and other materials contained on my website and in this podcast are for informational purposes only. That means it's for general sharing of knowledge, information and opinion on various health topics and wellness practices. It is not intended as professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. As always, please seek the advice of your physician, GP or qualified health practitioner with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment. And prior to undertaking a new healthcare regime, never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical help because of something you have read or listened to on the website or my podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, please call a doctor and go to your nearest hospital or emergency department immediately. Now with that important information all wrapped up, let's get into this week's show. This week on Speaking to Stacy, I had the pleasure of sitting down with my older sister, Jade Simon. Jade works in the fitness industry, and so it was a lovely opportunity to sit down with someone who's actively practicing what she preaches. Jade works for Jeff Fitness. It's an online fitness company based and headquartered in Cape Town, South Africa. Jade and I get into our training, our nutrition, just some of the basic principles there and then we were meant to speak about our mindset as well how we approach getting amped up and getting ready to go to gym but unfortunately we did run out of time this this time around so it's another reason to get jade back on the show as a repeat guest i hope you enjoy so without further ado here is jade simon welcome everybody i'm back here on the podcast with my sister jade and we're going to sit down today and just talk a little bit about our training, nutrition, and mindset. And I hope that we can share a little bit of insight into how we currently train and what we eat, how, if we have any philosophies based around diet and nutrition, and then also what we do to stay motivated and to keep the mental game strong as well. So, Jadles, are you there with me? How's it? I am here. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> How's it going, bro? I'm very, very good. Um, actually, yeah. a bit lucky. I thought I'd be a little bit tired today. We had a birthday mm. party yesterday. We went for oh, nice. for drinks for a mate's birthday, but we were home early enough so that actually got enough decent sleep. Lekker. Nice one. Yeah, we actually and, had a little bit of a celebration yesterday as well. As you know, it's my husband's birthday today. So we had a, fa- um, um, a friend's lunch yesterday. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. Missed you guys, man. We missed you guys. Yeah, man. I really do miss the social aspect of living in South Africa. The COVID, yeah, sure. the COVID out here, the restrictions just ended um, this week, so we've only just now got back to back to basically normal. And sure. this is our first time back with a group larger than four people in over wow. two years. So it's yeah. Sure. Was it, a bit, was it a bit mind-blowing initially where you're like, whoa, this feels weird. Almost weird, almost surreal, hey? 
it was very interesting. Like some people, actually one of the couples asked the owner of the venue if it is okay for such a large group to be sitting together because <laughs> it, it was a bit strange and weird because it, it's, yes. it's gone from nothing, uh, no, no, no social gatherings and that kind of thing to suddenly everyone being completely free to do what they want. So it wasn't, we didn't ease back into things like some other countries did. Yes. It's basically gone from... Like what we're doing. Yes, yes. It's gone from full restrictions to almost no restrictions, which is, I think, a lot of people mentally almost aren't ready to take the masks off and, and go no. back to normal. It's, it's very interesting, no. the psychology of it. Absolutely. It was so crazy. Um, so... For those of you who don't know, um, <laughs> don't expect everyone to follow the ins and outs of every single country's COVID laws and, and mask, no mask, um, you know, laws. But at the moment, South Africa is slowly but surely, surely weaning out the, the, the wearing of masks or the mandatory wearing of masks. Um, whether or not that will be completely eliminated is, is yet to be determined. There was talk of that potentially happening in the coming weeks. But again, things can change. You know, these things evolve all the time but for the time being basically for the, the long and short of it you don't have to wear masks outside so it's been almost a little bit anxiety causing i'm not gonna lie because for the first time i'm seeing people's faces i'm in close proximity with people but outside and they're not wearing masks you know it's just it's yeah it's as you say it's the psychology behind it's very interesting it almost is like the mask was a safety net yes. of some sort, or some sort of false protection. I don't know, not, not even not even protection against COVID, but I just almost feel like this little guard that we all yes. were able to live behind. I think uh, maybe from a social anxiety standpoint. I don't know. I don't suffer from a social anxiety, but yeah, it was very very interesting. I don't know. I think, to be honest, that whether or not look, I I've not really done the full deep dive into the research on how effective masks are um, from cloth masks right up to N95s. Um, yeah. So I don't want to want to pretend as if I know everything about this, but I think as what you said, as what you said there, I think it's very true yeah. that people have used the mask almost as like a security uh, blanket. Yes. It's almost been a psychological, more of a psychological yeah. thing than a, than an actual yeah. physical thing because i mean i caught covid a few weeks ago maybe a month ago now and i was very strict with my masking so mm. i i just think some people are using it as as almost to feel it makes them feel safe whether or not it, mm. it's actually making them safe i think isn't as important as how safe people feel feel absolutely yeah. Absolutely. I think that's what's going on. Talking about wearing masks and um, like diving straight into why we're here today. Yes. Um, exercise, wearing masks. I know that you've had to do quite a bit of that. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe we can use that as a segue into chatting about a, a bit about training and Perfect. where you're at with your training. And yeah, we can also talk about what it's been like training with a mask, wearing a mask. It's been very interesting. Sure, sure. So I guess... It's important to give a little bit of a backstory here to the training. I only recently got back to gym. In November of last year, I I stopped going to gym just with the COVID restrictions and things like that in South Korea. We found it a little bit difficult to actually go to gym and mm -hmm. also it was a little bit felt a little bit unsafe. So 
we decided that when our membership ended in December, we we didn't renew. So I haven't been going to the gym up until last week, Saturday, I started again. So my training is only just sort of rebooting, I guess you'd say. Yes. Um, but I guess I can still talk about my training philosophies and, and how I train. So um, for those yeah. of you... For those of you who maybe haven't caught our introduction, Jade and I did talk a little bit about our background, and I have competed as an amateur bodybuilder, specifically in the physique category. So, I mean, it's generally trained pretty much like a bodybuilder would, that kind of of training, but I have definitely tweaked the way that I train over the last year especially, and I'll explain why. So I recently qualified as a personal trainer. So November of last year, I wrote an exam and then received my certificate in December. So I, I've applied those principles that I learned in my course to the way that I train. So I used to train very much sort of 6 to 15 repetitions per set, depending on which muscle group I'm training I prefer to go lower in reps when I'm training bigger muscle groups and I used to train higher reps when I train smaller muscle groups. So for example, yes. when I'm squatting, I find it very draining on my central nervous system. So I don't like to do 12, 15 reps of squats. I find that like quite exhausting. Mm. So I would do six to eight squats, for example. And then for bicep curls, yes. I, I don't mind pushing it a little bit more because it's not as demanding on my on my central nervous system. Yes, yes. But so interestingly but enough, the, and that what's interesting, what's cool about that is that, that you've found that that works for you. But also, you are not a. Uh, for those of you who don't obviously don't know what Stacy really looks like, uh, you know, physically head to toe, Stacy's never really is not not never really. He has never struggled with weight uh, gain, as in putting on fat, visceral fat. Yeah. You know, so wait, just to, as just to clarify that, like. Uh, some people might take that as in I put on weight and muscle weight very easy. So I'm like the opposite. No. I'm quite an ectomorph. Yeah. I struggle you to gain very much an ectomorph. muscle as well as fat. Um, yes. Although I have I, found… I actually be, I'd be, it'd be interesting to know how many calories you'd have to ingest to actually put on weight. Like, yes. And I'm not talking, you know, like quite a lot, I'm sure, my boy. I think I have noticed definitely in the last two or three years that I cannot be as chilled with what I eat. I used to be able to eat anything at any point in time and it wouldn't be a problem for me. But now I've noticed that I do put on a bit of especially in my stomach, I put on a bit of weight if I if I not if I'm not too careful, if I just go pizzas, burgers, those kinds of things, I do I do struggle a bit. Yeah, no, we we're getting a bit older now. So Sorry boy, I interrupted you. Carry on, carry on. No problem. So I what what this what this certificate has taught me is that as an individual you cannot actually subscribe to a rep range that is dictated to you by a program so for example i know a lot of people will hop online and they'll search you know program for chest and then they'll just take that program and basically cookie cutter and apply that to themselves yes. so what i've learned through through this course that I did is actually you need to design your program to your specific body and your genetics and the way that suits your training. So if you hate going into deep reps, like I really don't like doing a lot of reps. 
um, I find it a bit tedious. And mm. so what this program has taught me or this course has taught me is that tailor your workout to something that you actually physically enjoy. You want to go into the gym enjoying it. You don't want it to be a, a mission, you know. Um, things are tough enough as it is. If you have a job and you're working full-time and you're stressed out, you don't want the gym yes. to become like another schlep. Oh, now I've got to go do my workout, if you know what I mean. You want yes. it to be enjoyable yes. and fun. So that's what I tend Tra- to do now. Traveling, traveling to the gym or, or, or going to choose to exercise at a time that you've committed to is already an obstacle that you have to overcome mentally. Exactly. So I do agree with you. Don't create an extra obstacle by going and doing something you hate. Exactly. You know, or, you're not, or you know you're not going to enjoy doing. Exactly, yeah. So I that's, that's how I train at the moment. So um, maybe in another episode, we can actually go in depth into that um, and I can actually walk people through yeah, cool. how I set up my program. Um, we can maybe do a future episode in, in, on programming and, and how maybe we Love differ that. or how we are similar in, in the way we set up our programming. Um, yeah, but, th- yes. but for me, that's the most important thing. I found that it's easier to stay motivated if you are enjoying your training, obviously. so Absolutely. And I think you can apply that across the board to anything really. So people who are doing sports, think about – those of you who, who do sports, when do you have most fun? Do you have most fun at training when you're doing sort of the nitty-gritty stuff? Or do you have most fun when you are, you know, match-type practices and mm. having fun incorporated into the training? Um, I think it's pretty mm. obvious that most people appreciate training more when they're enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yourself, Jadis, how, how, how are you training these days? Because obviously… Uh, I think your training has definitely changed over the years. Cheese like it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, I'm trying to think now. So, back in the day when I was also doing a bit of amateur bodybuilding, I was focusing a lot more on isolated muscle group training. So, for example, you know, Mondays, leg day, Tuesday. I'm just These are just examples, guys. So, <laughs> um, you know, Tuesday, you know, back and biceps and then – Wednesday, you know, whatever, and, and and going that route. Whereas now, from a time-saving standpoint, and this ties in again with the, with the obstacle thing, as I've gotten older and I'm a bit busier and my career and, and just work-life balance in general, you know, it, it, I am much busier than I was in my 20s, uh, even my earlier 30s. Um, I need to get in, get out, whether I'm training at home, so home-based gym work or, or training, uh, or actually going to a gym and exercising and following some some sort of structure there um, it's it's in and out in an hour and uh, what I find works for me see I'm very very lucky um, and I think Stacy will agree because obviously he knows me <laughs> um, my body responds really quickly to exercise so I don't I mean I'm built differently to Stacy I'm definitely not an ectomorph. <laughs> Sometimes wish I was. Um, I'm definitely more mesomorph or mesomorph, however you want to pronounce it. I'd probably say, hey, my boy. Yeah, um, I, think, I think, to be honest, we, mm. if, if we look at our parents, I would say mom was a pure mm. ectomorph. Oh, absolutely. And dad would be somewhere between a mesoendomorph. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think I inherited more of mom's genetics and I think you inherited more yes. of dad's. Absolutely. 100% agree with you there. 100% agree with you. So my, my body responds really, really, really quickly. So I, um, I've been focusing more on functional body weighted training with some, um, 
uh, weights in, incorporated, so machines, free weights, um, barbell work, things like that, but really focusing on more functional training, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, I don't want to use this word because I don't want to now um, say that it is CrossFit, but in similar way in how CrossFit uses, it, it, you know, the concept of functional training is very apparent in CrossFit, you know, like flipping tires and, yes. you know, things that, movements that you use every day as a human as opposed to doing like only gym-based movements that you'd only do in a gym, if that makes sense. Makes That's kind of like how my training is now, um, has, has sort of evolved. Um, and I'm, lo- and I love it. Um, um, it's not CrossFit. It's just, yeah, as I said, functional training, um, body weighted work. And, um, because I'm actually at the moment to be fully transparent and then we can also then maybe move into chatting a bit about the nutrition side of things as well. Sure. Is that, um, uh, because at the moment I am on a weight loss journey. So I have put on quite a lot of weight. Or I did put on quite, I should say, I did put on quite a lot of weight, uh, in the three years after our mom passed away. Um, so we lost our mom in the beginning of 2019. Um, she dropped dead uh, after having quite a severe asthma attack. Um, and yeah, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, as I think you know it would anybody. Yeah. Bef- prior to that, I had um, we, my husband and I had been living in the UK. Uh, we'd got an incredible opportunity to travel uh, and work overseas and. Just, you know, the kind of thing that you just, you know, you have to do. You have to try. You have to try. I mean, just like you guys are, Stace. You and Taryn yes. are, are in South Korea. You're living the, the expat life. But it's, it's, it's you, you have to take these um, chances and these opportunities when they come your way. Yeah. And I d- wouldn't change it for anything. It was an incredible experience. And to get international work experience as well is, uh, you know, you can't put a price on that. And um, yes. the unfortunate thing was I think I un- totally underestimated the impact immigrating to a new country would have on me psychologically and emotionally. And before we left for the UK, it was the beginning of 2016. I was probably in the best shape of my life, uh, mentally, emotionally, um, friendships, relationships, family, uh, physically, mentally, like um, nutritionally. I was training like a beast. I, I was lean. <laughs> <laughs> we use that word a lot in our family, lean as fuck. But I was, I was strong. Um and yeah, geez, like it did. It hit me like a ton of bricks. The just knocked me for a six. I totally underestimated. I went in a little bit arrogant into the immigrating thing. But Jade, sorry, sorry I, to interrupt you quickly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, will you just unpack that? Maybe you're going to do it anyway. Would you unpack that? Yeah. What What exactly do you mean by you? What did you underestimate? Because I'm. I've. It's funny enough. I mean, mm. it's quite shocking. Mm. We've actually never had this conversation mm. before. Weird, hey? And we've both yeah. immigrated uh, in yeah. our lives. I mean. Yeah. yeah, sure. It's interesting. Um, so if, if I'm honest, my boy, because, because so much of my identity for my entire life basically has been, when you think about Jade, you think athlete. For whatever okay. that may mean in it, for, for, the, for the chapter in her life, you know, at one point it was karate and, um, you know, cross-country running and long-distance running. And then another point in my life it was water polo. And then another point in my life it was gymming and amateur bodybuilding. So it didn't really matter what sport or, 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 or exercise hat I was wearing. I was almost synonymous. My name was with being a physically fit and active person. That was just part of my identity is part of who I was. Um, I've always had biceps. I've always looked like if you if you looked at me, you'd be like, "Yeah, you can definitely see that she exercises. Like she yeah. she's fit. She's in really good shape." Um, so I think I went 
because I, I had this romantic idea of what it would be like living in another country, bearing in mind prior to that, I'd never lived anywhere else other than South Africa. Um, I, I never really stopped to think, sure, what an impact this will have to be away to, to complete, completely be uprooted. The psychological and emotion. I mean, they say, I mean, I don't know what study or evidence this is based in, but they say immigrating or moving, just even moving house is as traumatic up there as it is um, going through a death or divorce. Um, and I don't it'd know be, if it's the displacement or the be interesting, change. Cause, interesting yeah? to, to look that up. I will. We can definitely studies. look at the we see must. if there's some studies on that because obviously mm. um, it's important to, that we – Bring light to if that's a, if that's a true statement, um, that's a fascinating yeah. topic in and of itself. Absolutely, make a note. Another yeah, really good episode potential topic. I have, <laughs> yeah. love it. Awesome. Um, yeah, so so I, I, I yeah I just was very arrogant about it if I'm perfectly honest, and I just you know I remember people saying I'll, I can I can honestly remember it like it was yesterday. I remember people saying to me, oh you know be careful you know the UK they like their pubs they like the going Heathrow to injection. Some, um, Heathrow injection, for those of you who don't know what on earth we're talking about, it's not an actual injection. It's a turn of phrase where people say, well, you go to the UK and it's almost like you arrive at Heathrow Airport and you basically balloon because you put on yes, weight. You put on weight. As they call it, the Heathrow injection. Um, a little bit of tongue in cheek there. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I because I was so mentally strong and I'd been I, – I, it was just part of – it was like going to the gym in the morning – was as natural to me as brushing my teeth. It wasn't even a question. Okay. My alarm would go off at half past four in the morning or quarter past four in the morning. Um, so just after 4 a.m., um, all my bags and everything were packed already. It, you know, I prepped the night before. Gym clothes were already out. I'd just sneak out the room so I didn't wake up my husband, um, pop on my gym clothes, take my food bag, my work clothes, everything in the tog bag, leave the house, pop into the car, drop down to the gym, do the workout, start start training at 5 a.m., be done about by about 6-ish, shower at the gym, get dressed, ready, and then shoot off to work, be at my desk by no later than 8 a.m., and that was my life. That and was, this, that this was, was in SA, yeah. right, before you moved? This, is, this, this was South Africa, okay. yeah. This was in South Africa, and this was, sure, for about three or four years, so I'd say anywhere between 2012 to 2016. That was yeah. my lifestyle. Okay, um, so... And then we went, yeah. Quickly, um... Mm. That's very interesting. That just shows you. I, I've read a few books about this. Um, it just yes. shows you the power of building those habits. You obviously had very good habits set up in place, and the disruption of uprooting and leaving, without you yes. probably realizing it, almost immediately. It's very easy to break habits quickly. Yes. Whereas to form them, it takes you know a couple of months, sometimes yes. almost half a year to form good habits. Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. You can continue. Sorry. Just, I keep it just, it just, no, no. I love that you're interrupting me. It's good. We must yeah, unpack this. Um, and you know, if, I know you hate to read. So guys, one <laughs> thing you'll learn about Stace through this journey of like following this podcast, Stacy is like, his brain is like a sponge and he just, he like eats books. He just yes. ingests knowledge and he just constantly um, learning and furthering himself. So I not to say he knows everything and, he, and he'd be the first to say he doesn't, yes, I don't. Um, but he loves, he loves learning. Yes, um, I, I, like, I've realized, I realized the mm. other day that I consume books in a very strange way. So if I'm interested in something, I will find a book on that topic, but I don't, often don't read the book cover to cover. I dive in and find what I'm looking for, and then I jump out oh, and okay. I move on because I find that 
oftentimes a lot of the book isn't relevant to actually what I'm looking up. And interestingly enough, for those of you who haven't heard of or haven't listened to this gentleman, I'm going to uh, bring up his name now. There's a guy called uh, Naval Ravikant. He's an Indian-American, um, as in India from Asia. And he, his family, I think, moved over to the States. He's a tech billionaire, but he reads like that. And I found it quite interesting when I heard it on his, on his one podcast, he talked about how he reads. And that's exactly how I read. Um, I don't read for for cover-to-cover reading. I read for specific mm-hmm. information and then I move on. Um, so I found that very interesting. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, cool. sorry, you were, awesome. saying, you were saying about your... Yeah, your so, that, so, so your uprooted and your habits with- changed. Yeah, so, well, you know, hindsight is, is a bitch, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, in hindsight, what I should have done was I should have immediately, uh, when we landed and settled in the UK, I should have immediately started, even if we, you know, we were slow to get up, up and going with the gym, I shouldn't have waited to start going to a gym and join a gym. I should have immediately started going for runs and just... Um, and even, I mean, my, my, my extensive knowledge and background, just from personal experience and exercise, I could have very, very easily have just done a couple, like 20 minute workouts every morning of just doing my own thing, like a couple yes. of sit ups, a couple of push push ups, squats, you know, I mean, they are apps galore. I didn't need to wait until a gym. I, yeah. So that, that's hindsight for you. But anyway, so I did. And, um, the long and short of it was, yeah, I just think the entire uprooting and the disruption really threw me for a six. Um, in three years that we lived in London, I put on 30 kilos. Yes, you wow. heard correctly. 30 kilograms. I don't even know what that is in pounds. I'm going to just quickly Google it. I think it's 66. So we just give a bit of reference. 66 pounds. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, <laughs> basically, just like ate my way through. <laughs> so, quick, through quick question there. Um and maybe that's actually a perfect transition into nutrition. Yes. Did you, I think what I find interesting about Korea, um, it's a very, they're actually very active. So a lot of people do a lot of walking. There's a lot of outside gym equipment. There's a lot of, what is the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of effort into building open mm-hmm. spaces so that people can go into those spaces to exercise because- yes. Most South Koreans, those of you who aren't familiar with South Korea as a country, most South Koreans actually live in apartments. So they don't have houses with big space. gardens and space. Yes. So they, it, the, yes. government, the government's obviously identified that as a problem and they have a huge commitment on outside spaces and things like that. So That's the South Korean, generally South Koreans are in very good shape compared to Westerners. Mm. And mm. it's so weird what you said there about keeping up with, you should have gone for runs and things like that. One thing that I did, which I don't do normally, is because I didn't have a gym membership for the first month that I arrived in South Korea, yes. I yes. I downloaded a running app and I don't I didn't ever do road running and I started road running, wake up early in the morning, did some skipping, and then I went road running. I didn't even really think about it in terms of keeping up my habits. I just was in a place where I felt as if I didn't do something, it would affect my mood and my energy. So I yes. just thought, let me go for runs. I don't really dig running that much. Funnily enough, a month after running, I went back to gym. I actually started missing the running. The The whole oh. runner's high thing for me definitely was a thing. I felt so good after running. And yeah. I wasn't going for long runs. I was I was doing like 5Ks at the max when I finished. Um, mm. Which what, what is that in miles? I'm trying to think. Maybe just, just more than three miles, Gosh. I guess. 
Yeah. Um, so that's interesting that just by – I didn't really intentionally do it like that, but we kind of did the opposite things. I kept up with those oh. things and you you didn't. And without realizing it, the impact that, may, that maybe had Absolutely. In, in getting back into gym and keeping those habits going. Absolutely. And then you <laughs> – and and then now now you join the gym and now you've only been in the UK you being me now <laughs> talking about myself in the third person so in the UK starting my new job pretty much the very next day that I arrived in London um, joined the gym not long after like what you said now like I mean I can't remember exactly but it wasn't long after we 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 which t- we touched ground in in, in London and um, yeah so it wasn't as if I had enough time to justify the habit break but it just there were just so that the lifestyle that we were leading in london was so different so put it this way guys for those of you who've never been to south africa before our public transport is exceptionally unreliable um basically i think that's like even an understatement that is an understatement, but I mean, we don't want to go there. But yeah, yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty horrific. Some you know, places it's, it's not it's non-existent. Yes, some parts of South Africa, the public transport is non non-existent. But if you're in a big city or one of the major metropolis metropolitans like Cape Town, Johannesburg, Durban, um, just to name a few, it is a little bit more reliable because that's where people it's, you know it's urban ur- urban living. That's where people yes. have to be working and get to work, so it's a little bit more reliable, but it's not, it's not that reliable, and it's very unsafe uh, for many reasons. Um, the long and short of it is, so we, so we had that in South Africa. You had, you had your own vehicle, so if you wanted to get up and pop down to the shops, just take your car keys, jump in your car, and go. Whereas with London, everything was, oh gosh, I'm going to sound like such a typical Cape Townian, such a schlep, you know, like so. It's a running joke that anything in Cape Town that's further than 20 minutes away is too far. Um, so whereas in the UK you've got to walk to the station to get on the train or the bus stop and then go to the shops and then buy whatever you can whatever you can carry and then you're going to go home yes you can totally buy a car in the UK but most people um, use public transport so I think that was initially that was an obstacle then it was adjusting to this new job that was really intense and adjusting to just living somewhere different. I mean, just there's so many factors that are complete, that completely, you know, hit me for a six a little bit. I was just a bit sort of overwhelmed. So I think, and then also missing friends and family, missing what I knew, missing my safe, you know? Yes. I'll never forget. I can't remember at what point in our first year it was, but we were walking. It was, it, it was definitely going into our first summer. So we arrived um, Gary, my husband, Gary arrived in the UK in February 2016, Jan, Feb, and I arrived six weeks later. I had to wait for my visa. Um, so I got there in March-ish, and it was getting to summer. So that would probably have been about May, June of that year, 2016. And I'll never forget walking from our cute little spot that we lived towards the closest um, sub um, subway, uh, closest uh, tube station, which would have been, for those of you who know London, that would have been Clapham Common um, in the southwest of London. And okay. I remember walking past, to get to Clapham Common Station, to, we had to walk past a part of Clapham Common. And for those of you who know, in London, when the sun comes out, everybody crawls out of the woodworks and they're on those commons, which are the, basically the, the open spaces, the parks, 
the, gra- the grassy areas and they are sunbathing and they're having picnics and it's just beautiful. It really is lovely and it's such a vibe. And I remember walking past there, Gary and I were walking together and we were on our way somewhere and I looked over and I saw all these people laughing. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of groups of people sitting on their picnic blankets, having a jolly good time. And I remember whilst walking towards Clapham Common Station, bursting into tears, literally mid-walk. And Gary looked at me and said, oh my gosh, babe, what's wrong? And I just looked at him and I said, I have no friends. I have no wow. friends. And I think, yeah, just like, big. yeah, it just really, really hit me that it was just part of how I was feeling. And that was that the point of me telling the story is that I think there was just a multitude of factors yeah. that impact your mindset why, your, and your psychology. I, yeah, my mindset, my psychology was, I was so displaced. I was so fish out of water kind of vibes that it completely, which is so strange because I know better than anybody what is one of the basic things you can do to get your headspace right? Exercise. Training. Yeah. Do you know what I think? And yeah. Do you know what I think is quite interesting? Going back to what you said initially, talking about mm. you went there with maybe a little bit of arrogance, not really thinking about it. Mm. It's so weird when you say those kinds of things because now that I look back on it, none of it was really intentional for me, but we did things very differently. So I knew coming here, um, I knew culturally it was going to be very different. It's not an English-speaking country. Mm. Um, mm. There's no Western values. It's it's more sort of based on Confucian values. I mm. knew all those things coming over here. So I had prepared, prepared myself mentally for a huge shock yes. and change. And I think maybe because you were going to a Western country, an English-speaking country, yes, by not preparing yourself mentally, you almost set yourself mm. up for failure a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Not a little bit, 100%. So maybe that's a, 66 I mean that, pounds in three years is not a, <laughs> not a fucking joke. That's, I mean, that's um, like half a person. That's like a, that's something great uh, from an experience point of view for those people who are maybe in the process of maybe about going overseas, about to move or haven't done it before and in the future want to. That's maybe something, something yeah. to think about. Just because you're going somewhere that seems familiar there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that you don't expect to happen. So you also touched mm-hmm. on the whole friendship thing. Taryn and I, for the last two years, have found it very difficult to make friends because of the coronavirus restri- restrictions. So mm. we had one couple, uh, a couple called Adam and Gerda. They've now moved back to South Africa. They left in March, um, uh, just about a month ago, almost exactly. And so March 2022. Yes. And, and guys, so you, just so you know, Stacey and Taryn immigrated at the end of 2019. Yes. So they really, they got to Korea, South Korea, a couple of months before the coronavirus um, outbreak. So three, four months They really months didn't have a, yeah, they didn't have, you guys didn't have a chance to yeah. establish those kinds of social roots. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we had the added difficulty, obviously, new place, new city, language barrier the 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 city that we live in there's only about well i don't want to say only there's about six hundred ninety thousand, seven hundred thousand people but the english uh. language level of our city is not as strong as some of the bigger more international cosmopolitan cities like seoul and daegu yes. and busan yes we live yeah, in you're not you're called, not in seoul so no we in jonju so we basically took two three months just finding our feet and then we actually went on a holiday to thailand and when we were on holiday in thailand that was january of 2020 
sorry, 2020, yes. And when we got to the airport on the way back, it was already on the news, coronavirus. I mean, there were some pharmacies. We went to three or four because the masks had all sold out. So we were actually sure. running around looking for masks because you needed one um, at the airport. So, yes. I mean, and then we got back. And unfortunately, what happens, what I found what happens is the people that had been here for a few years obviously already had their friend groups. And because yes. the restrictions were four people per activity. So if you invited people for dinner, it could be you and your partner and then two others. We weren't getting those social invitations because obviously we weren't good enough friends with people to crack the nod. So yes. it was really difficult for us. And so it was great that we made friends with another South African couple and we did a lot together. So when they left, I made a, a commitment to myself that I'm going to make more of an effort with people and that just luckily coincided with the fact that restrictions in Korea now have dropped off. Have the dropped. only restriction now is on masks in public spaces. You have to wear your mask, but you can go to dinner with outdoors. as many people. Outdoors as well. They, they, I don't know why. They are revising it in a week's time. They're going to have a meeting okay. and decide whether or not it's still necessary. But it, it's, it's a bit strange okay. because you're walking outside in the open air and there's no one around you, but you have to have yes. your mask on. But have then you can go into a restaurant yes. and eat food that's packed and everyone's got their mask off. So it is a bit strange. Yes. Um, but then again, I think it's what we spoke about earlier. It's that perception of safety. It's to make yes. people feel more comfortable, I think, Absolutely. is actually why it's happening. The psychology behind it rather yeah. than actual efficacy of the wearing of the mask. Exactly. Okay, then maybe we can transition going into nutrition. Um, yes. The last time I spoke Sorry, just, to you just, about… Just, 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 before, before we go there, my boy, I just want to yeah. just quickly wrap this very, very long-winded sure. story up. No so problem. what happened? What happened to me, guys? Well, I put on I put on all that weight in the UK. Um, towards the end of our UK journey, um, we, we we didn't know how long we were going to be in the UK for. We kind of rolled the punches, um, and there were a lot of contributing factors to why we decided to come back to South Africa. One of them being, very sadly, in our last year of being in the UK, Gary's father passed away very unexpectedly. Um, he died of a heart attack. It was sure actually getting emotional just thinking about it it's just I still can't believe that it happened um oh I still remember that day again that phone call just yeah anyway so that was the beginning of um 20 sure 2018 the beginning of 2018 where we were we'd already said you know we're coming towards the end of our um, potentially we now need to decide are we renewing our visa are we going to reapply for another visa to stay longer um, working and living in the UK or are we going to consider going back and I think that was a big eye opener for us like just losing Gary's dad like that and so out of the blue we just we were like we have to be home we have to be home with our loved ones we have to be home with our family we have to be home like like life's too short kind of thing anyway yeah, it makes a lot of sense so at that same time just before Gary's dad passed away we'd also just gotten engaged so it was such a strange time. We were so, so happy and so many exciting things, but also this cloud of absolute trauma and grief and, and you know, just, oh, just such a piggledy-piggledy. I don't even know what better word to use other than that, but just like a mishmash of Emotions. such a beautiful and happy time, but also such an incredibly heartbreaking time as well. And then we moved back to South Africa, and I, was, and I just said to myself, holy fuck, I'm getting married in about five or six months. I'm 30 kilograms overweight. And yes, it's not about being a size zero or being skinny, but you've got to love the skin you're in. And if 100%. you're not happy, love yourself and respect yourself enough to sort your shit out. Yeah. 
if you are a bigger person uh, by what society deems overweight or big, you know, and I'm saying that with inverted commas, I know you can't see that I'm doing inverted commas, but I hope you can hear it in my tone. You know, at the end of the day, if you are happy, if you are confident, if you love you and you are healthy and you're strong, it doesn't matter how big or how small you are. But if you are not happy, do something about it. And that yes. is what I said to myself. I said, no, goodness gracious me, I cannot carry on like this. So we got back to South Africa. I signed up for a health and fitness program with, <laughs> funny enough, the company that I now work for. Um, I didn't think at that point I'd, you know, I'd be working, uh, working for what is now called Jeff. Uh, back then it was called Jono's Fitness Faculty. And um, yeah, I did a one-on-one online exercise and nutrition program. And I did a 16-week program. Uh, so what is that? Four months. Yes. And in those four months, I lost uh, 20 kilograms. Now, what is that in pounds? Again, it's quite, 44 quite a lot. 44 pounds, right? yeah. 44 pounds. Now, I know for a lot of people, they're like, whoa, what were you doing? Were you taking injections? Were you on diet pills? Were you basically starving yourself? Not at all. Um, it was basic exercise and nutrition. Um, you know, one plus one equals two. You know, calories in, calories out. And again, it just goes back to what I said earlier. What did I say? I said, my body responds quickly, right? Yes. My body responds bloody quickly. I don't know why. I'd always, I've always wanted to know why. Why, even as I've gotten older, I, I almost sometimes feel like maybe I was a, me- a guy in my past life or something. <laughs> but like, my, the way my body responds is not the way most women's bodies respond to health, to, to nutrition and exercise. Because unfortunately, we are a bit more predisposed to men. But because Jettles, of the whole hormone factor. Remember, yeah. remember... Um, Look, yeah, I, I'm just I'm hypothesizing here. We yeah, yeah. had a conversation when I was still studying my PT course. There were those oh. simple tests that look they're not 100 percent accurate, but they can yes. give an indication of whether or not you have a higher level of testosterone as a woman. And remember the the whole finger yeah. thing. Your yes, your finger test for testosterone indicates that quite it's quite possible that you have a higher level. Of testosterone. Do you want naturally. to just explain to everybody what you're talking about when you yes, say fingertips? Okay. Fingertips. Okay, so um, for this is quite interesting, and there is science backing yeah. it up. Uh, maybe I can put it in the show notes for anyone who's interested to go and look, and you can actually do the test for yourself. So if you put yeah. your hand, I think it's your left hand. I, I'll double check. You can put your yeah. hand flat on the table. If your ring finger is longer than your index finger. It suggests that when you were in your mother's womb, you had higher levels of, or you were exposed to higher levels of testosterone during your development, and it does mean that you have a higher level of testosterone, I think, naturally as well. So, if you look at a man's hand, most men will have longer ring fingers than index fingers, and most women, it's the index finger is longer or roughly the same Same, size as the ring finger. Same size. Yeah. However, there have been studies done, especially on high-performing women, and there's a correlation. Now, obviously, guys, talking from a scientific background, correlation isn't causation. I understand that. But there seems to be a link between women with longer ring fingers and sports performance. So, meaning that, that obviously, they have a natural testosterone advantage, meaning that there's yes. an advantage biologically for sports. So, yes. I think you said your ring finger is longer than your index finger, it which is, is not common significantly for women. longer. Yeah, that's not common in women. Sig- which indicates that you have high levels of testosterone naturally. So, 
Um, uh, that's something that, you know, you listeners, you can have a look at your hands and um, that's something yeah, cool, cool to right know. Do it right now, guys. Stand yeah. up, put your hand down on the table. <laughs> and have check a look. It out. I mean, honestly, if you look, just looking at my hand, even just here, just as I sit here, um, I mean, my ring finger is almost as long as my middle finger. Yes. I'm not even yes. joking. Yeah. Um, now, that's generally, that's generally a male trait. Uh, on okay. average, that's a male. So that's very interesting. interesting. Maybe it has sure. something to do with the fact that you are able to pick up and lose weight quite quickly. Maybe it's to do with your yes. natural hormone levels are, are slightly different to, to most women. It's very interesting. Perhaps. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. So yeah, long and short of it, um, that's me in a nutshell, guys. I've been talking for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, uh, so yeah. so it, it's, it's more a case of the changes in your life that caused you to gain weight, it, it was a changing yes. of habits, changing of, of lifestyle and all those kinds of things. Mm. Uh, one yeah. thing I, I wanted because to touch on before, before we move yeah. on, sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah. Um, okay. Those of you, as Jade said, those of you who aren't familiar with South Africa, we have a very big like outdoorsy culture because we're very, very lucky with our weather. So yeah. a, lot of, a lot of time spent outdoors, a lot of walking and those kinds of things. Did you find being in London – that those things also changed, that you, your lifestyle factors changed because the weather's a bit colder, you stayed indoors more, you yes. ordered more food in, you didn't cook yes. your own home meals as much. Yes, and also, as much as we think we are advanced and modern humans, um, you know, if, from an evolution standpoint, we are still very basic in the sense that what, what, what happens when, when, when it's cold? Animals store and prepare for winter. Yes. The human species is the same. Yeah. So I think, you know, yeah, I just, I, I definitely 100% agree with you on that. Um, that's exactly what happened. Don't get me wrong. And anyone who's lived in the UK or London will tell you, and, and I mean, I have to refer to London specifically because that was my point of reference, that we only lived in London when we were in the UK for three years. When the sun is out, it's like you didn't even realize so many people lived in London. Um, it's very social. People are riding bicycles. They're going for runs. It's very much, it's almost like the entire city does a 180 and they're living this outdoor active social life. But bear in mind, again, it's London. So that's only for what, two months of the year, three months at best. We joke, there's a running joke uh, with, 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 with my mates and that all of the, we all lived in London together, you know, yeah, we've got our week of summer <laughs> and it, it, it comes and goes very, very quickly, um, you know, but um, yeah, for the, for the most part, I mean, I'd say for eight, eight, nine months of the year, it's, yeah, it's cold. It's, yeah. Um, you, you're not, you're not, there's, there's little encouragement from yeah. environmental factors. And there's also to, the, to, the, the recent evidence um, mm. showing how important vitamin D is with the whole Corona pandemic. Yes. Um, that's obviously also a big factor. I mean, I, oh, could, be, I could be wrong on this, but, uh, and I'm glad to be corrected on this, but I think I heard somebody, a doctor saying that on a podcast, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but maybe I can look it up, that vitamin D isn't actually even necessarily a vitamin. It's more similar to a hormone. So, it's actually really, really important to get your vitamin D checked. The unfortunate thing is it is quite an expensive test to go and do, um, but it's very, it's a very… a blood test, eh? Blood test, yeah. Blood and it, but it, it, you have yeah. to specifically ask for it, so I think it is a little bit more expensive than a standard blood test. Okay. And But it's so important. So many people are deficient in vitamin D, 
and yep. they don't even realize it. I take my I take about seven thousand IU's a day, which sounds like a lot, but I think the Food and Drug Administration in America a few years ago actually discovered that what they thought was the daily recommendation, which I again I could be wrong. I think it was something like five hundred IU's a day. They realized that they'd underestimated that by like a factor of ten. Sure. I think it's. I think I only take like a right. thousand IUs a day. Now you got me tweaking here. I'm thinking, oh crap! <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think dosage. It's weird. It's one of those things that it hasn't really percolated through into the into the marketplace. the mm. The RDAs for vitamin D are outdated. They need to actually be updated. Uh, uh, we, our bodies can tolerate a lot more vitamin D than what we thought. And also, the thing is, yes. Uh, another thing is. If you can substitute sunlight for for pills, obviously it's much better. If you can get enough sun, it's a much better bio, bioavailable form that your body can use. But if you can't, obviously if you're living in, in colder climates and those kinds of things, and especially if you are have a darker complexion because your your body yes. produces less vitamin D if you have darker skin, um, you need to get vitamin D into your body. Um, very important. Yes. But anyway, sorry, let, let's, let's move back to… To the nutrition side, what, yes. So has, the, has long, your nutrition the long and short of it was as well. Yeah. So the long, the long and short of it is, we got back to South Africa. I was like, got to sort my shit out. Started a program of the thirty kilos that I put on. I'd lost twenty, so I'd lost most of it. So I was really only ten kilos away from my ideal, uh, my ideal weight for my for my height. I'm quite mm, super tall, but I'm taller tall a, than the average girl. I'm tall. Yeah. yeah for a female so i'll never and also bear, bear in mind mesomorph so i'm i'm, I'm solid you know i've <laughs> got muscle so and i mean i've grown up like physically i look like an athlete so um well maybe not now <laughs> but um you know it I, i'll never ever have a thigh gap i'll never ever ever be skinny um it just is not it's not a goal of mine it never has been um it's just not how I'm, it's not how i'm made up it's not part yeah. of just who I am, my physical makeup. So, um, you know, I was only 10 kilos away from my goal weight and I was like, cool, 10 kilos, crikey. If I can do 20, 10 is going to be a breeze. You know, yeah. the, most of the hard work is done. I've, I've got less to go than what I've already lost. So this is the, the easy part. And then unfortunately, that was right after our wedding. So I walked down the aisle, just 10 kgs overweight in inverted commas. Um, but I felt great. My goodness, I... I it was the best I'd felt in three years, and um, I you think you can see it in the in our wedding photos. Like, I, I not to like sound like I'm far up my own ass, but I am glowing, and it's I don't think it's just because it's the wedding day and because I was marrying, marrying the love of my life, and I think it's just because when you are confident and when your self esteem is you, you know when you when you're feeling strong and you're confident and self love is high, you just exude a different you know you carry yourself better. It, it, it just everything's going better, yeah. and then unfortunately, what happened? Boom, five weeks later, five weeks after our wedding, our mom passed away very unexpectedly. As I mentioned earlier, she died of a very unexpected, out of the blue, she had an asthma attack and she died. Um, And that threw me, as I think it would anyone. And I basically, for the next three years, that was beginning of 2019, for the next two and a half years, I should say, I basically ate my feelings and I ended up putting on 30 kilos. So if you do the math, I was already still had another 10 to go. Then I put on another 30. So now I was sitting towards the end of last year, technically 40 kilos overweight. Yeah. How crazy is that? And quickly on that, Jade, um, Jade uh, yeah. talking about the, the – so you said that you were eating ba- – emotional eating basically, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Through my okay. grief. But, which but, was so interesting. When, I, when, when we first lost mom, I had no appetite. Yeah. Food was not even a thing. I mean, I ate because I knew it's important to have meals, but I wasn't eating because I was hungry. I was having breakfast, lunch, dinner because I knew that that was important. Yes. yes. Um, and not something to neglect. Yes. That was like the first month or two. And then okay, after that, oh my goodness, it just spiraled. And then, but what what I found interesting in that whole situation is that it wasn't that you mm. weren't aware of it. You were very much aware of what you were doing. Um, was it just Was it just that psychologically it was very difficult to break from that that emotional connection to food? I think so. Okay. So subsequently, so since since then, I've actually gone to go see a um, psychologist, a psychiatrist who specialises specifically in eating disorders and or disordered eating and just I just wanted to understand because I've never struggled with my weight before you know I mean Stacey will be the first to tell you you know we never grew up in a house where we had a parents who talked about diets and dieting and that kind of crap so we're very fortunate that we never ever had our that that put on us indirectly by our parents you know yes. transferring their own issues with their bodies and, and self-image well, we, onto we grew us up in a house. we're very our, fortunate our household was um very big on food, not over the top. We ate healthy food, but our mother was a yes. brilliant cook, and Dad yes. also loved cooking. I mean, Mom and Dad had ran yes. a restaurant in their twenties. Um, yep. So, I mean, our, our family—it's not like we were being starved or anything like that. We we had very good <laughs> no. food, but we also—I think—we just had a very good relationship. We've always had a very good relationship with food. Very. I mean, very. we had we had a sweet cupboard, for example, and it wasn't hidden yes. from us. We could go and take sweets from no. the cupboard, but I think because of the way that mom and dad sort of raised us. We didn't, mm. we didn't gorge on sweets and cookies and chocolates and no. things, you know, grab one from time to time. It was normalized. It wasn't yes. seen as like something you have, you don't have to earn it. It's not like a, you have to do X, Y, and Z and then you earn it. It wasn't, you know, I'm a firm believer of not treating food like treats. Yes. And I always say, because um, I do now currently work in the health and fitness space, I often say to my clients, you know, you're not a dog. Don't treat yourself with food. If you want to have a piece of cake, have a piece of cake. It's just food. Don't overthink it. Yeah. And um, that was sort of the culture and, and, and where we approached food in our household. That's how we were brought up. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think I was just so crippled by the trauma of losing mom that I just default set. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, so I ended up going to go see the psychologist, psychiatrist, and it was fascinating. Um, I wasn't diagnosed with like binge eating disorder or anything like that, but, um, he did talk about, um, you know, something called, uh, night eating syndrome. Now I don't know if I'm getting that wording right now. Night eating syndrome. I think that is right. Yeah. Night eating syndrome. Um, and, um, basically what I do, uh, and I'm very aware of it and I've got to be mindful is that, um, have you ever seen that show? I think it's on TLC. Um, TL TLC channel where the 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 secret eaters. I've heard about secret. it, but I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, that's basically what I do, but I do it at night time. <laughs> okay. Uh, where I yeah I sit and I'll just gorge. So, okay. um, yeah, wake up in the middle of the night and just go to the kitchen and just sit up and then watch TV and just whatever I can get in my face. And are you still doing that now? So, or, or? Did you have that in control? Um, not, not really. Not really. Um, so I had like an, uh, an epiphany. Not really an epiphany, but like I just basically had like a pull yourself towards yourself conversation with myself towards the end of last year, towards the end of 2021. 
context, guys. I'm going to say last year, and then you guys are listening to this in the future. You don't know what that, where, yeah. you know, where, where in time that is. So towards the end of 2021, I just said to myself, no, come on, got to sort your shit out here. You know, you are in your mid thirties, you're healthy. You know, you want to start trying for a family, you and your husband, you need to sort your shit out. You need to get this body ready for, 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 for children. And that's not to say that you need to, Baby making, absolutely. It's not to say that you need to be a certain weight or look a certain way to bear children. Uh, people of all shapes and sizes have children all the time, every day, every year. Life goes on. But I wanted to set myself up for success with that and going yeah. into that. So that's what I did. And I'm now um, almost 20 kilos down. Perfect. And um, yeah, I will... The goal is to be at my wedding weight by the time Gary and I start trying for kids. Awesome. So, again, then I will be technically, in inverted commas, 10 kilos overweight or 10 kilos short of my ideal weight for my height and all of that. But I know I'll feel strong, I'll feel healthy, and I also recognize that just because you start trying doesn't mean you fall pregnant immediately. I mean, it could. happens to some people. But it doesn't mean it will happen for us. So I just want to just, yeah, that, that, so that, that's, that's my focus at the moment. That's where I'm at at the moment. So the, my philosophy of eating at the moment is very much about balance and no extreme restrictiveness. So what I found um, with bodybuilding, I don't know if you found this, Stace, but I found bodybuilding very triggering for me. And I think it actually is linked to why in the UK I overate and put on weight. When mom died, I put on weight. It's almost like, that restrictive binge relationship is very goes hand in hand. I don't know if you found that when you were when you were when you were prepping for shows and things like that, but I found it very triggering for me. So I would um, I would find that after a comp, yo, um, I mean you, you'd think I'd never heard of reverse dieting before. I basically <laughs> went from eating super restrictive and prep preparing and you know you know getting ready to step on stage to next minute next day it's like the food's going to run out on planet earth and now I need to make up for lost time. And it's just, and, and do you yeah. find that, do you find, do you, I've never actually asked you this, your, your natural appetite, do you have, do you think your natural appetite's quite, quite big or normal or how do you feel? Uh, I think it's quite normal. I don't think okay. I have a huge appetite and I don't think I have a small appetite. I think I have a very regular breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe a snack here and there depending on my energy levels. But okay. so yeah, fast forward to where I'm now. I don't know how about you, my boy, but like for me, I'm very much about balance. So it's not about restriction. It's not about cutting so you don't, out food you don't groups. Do ca- just, you don't do ca- calorie counting or anything like that? I, 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 do, I do do calorie counting just because I know what performance level. I know on an average how many calories I burn when I exercise. Okay. And I know on average how many calories I need to consume so that I'm in a deficit but not too much of a deficit that I then again goes down to that whole over-restriction Binge over restriction. Okay. Binge. Okay, so uh, how about you? What are you? Where are you at? At the moment, I have put on a bit of body fat. I think okay. two factors. Uh, interestingly, here in Korea, we've got essentially four seasons. So we've just come out of a, a our winter. So definitely reduced my activity as a result. So that's the yes. one thing. And then I did mention I haven't been training in the gym for the last four months. So yes. that's another factor. My my calorie expenditure has definitely decreased, and then. <laughs> Also, if I'm going to be 100% honest with, with the listeners and with myself, I wrote a finance exam in 
uh, when was it February of this year? And while waiting for the results, it took two months for me to get the results. I said to myself, because I was very, I was very on point and restrictive with drinking alcohol before I wrote the exams. I didn't consume a lot of alcohol because when I drink, I find that the next day I lose ambition and I, I don't get myself going and things like that. So yeah. I cut that out almost completely for two three months and. Alcohol is huge extra calories, and the last yeah, uh, the last month or so, I've definitely look. I'm not binge drinking anything like that, but on a Friday night, I'll have like two two bottles of beer with my dinner, and then twice a month, we'll meet up with mates and have drinks, and you know, I'll have like four or five pints, and yeah. I mean that's like an extra thousand calories that I wasn't taking in, and I'm doing it regularly enough that I think it's affecting my body weight. So I find that uh, especially beer goes straight to my stomach. I don't really carry fat on my body except my stomach. Like it's really weird. Like if, if you were to look at me now with my clothes on and guess my body fat, people would probably say maybe 15% around there. But actually I'm, I've, I went for a scan. I do in body. That's the only thing I have access to. And I know, yes, there are problems with measuring your body fat, but I use the same method over and over. So it's from it's, a consistency standpoint. Yes, it's consistent for me. So whether it or not it's 100% accurate, it, it, I can definitely tell that it, I guessed I was about 20% and the machine literally read out exactly 20%. It was quite weird. Um, but all of that, almost all of that, I, I can literally see it on my stomach. And mm. um, so I've realized for me, 100%, if I'm, I'm the next three months, I'm, I'm having my wedding in August of this year. So Taryn and Yay! I... I'm so excited. <laughs> For those of you listening, Taryn and I are, we are legally married. So we've signed the paperwork, but we haven't, because of coronavirus, we haven't had the opportunity to celebrate with family and friends. So yes. we are doing the ceremony this year in August. And I just want to feel, it's again, going back to what Jade said, it's not that I'm overweight. I don't feel unhealthy or anything like that, but I want to be in the best shape of my life on that day because yes. I want to be able to look in the mirror and, and, and enjoy the reflection that I see at the moment, like it is a bit self-conscious. Like my stomach is, a, a, to me, feels a little bit out of out of hand. So um, I want to get that in line. And hundred percent for me, I have to do calorie counting. It's in my personal experience. I've tried just sort of eyeball portioning and things like that. For me, the best and quickest way to lose weight is to just restrict calories. I I don't really restrict types of food, so I will enjoy a bowl of ice cream if I want to, but I'll make sure that then mm. I'm cutting it out somewhere else. I'm not ha- then having as much rice or yeah, things being, like that. Yeah, being more mindful. It's, yeah. it's portion control. It's it's just about, yeah, cal- like I said earlier, calories in, calories out. You know, you can't, yeah, I, I just find, Thermodynamics. you also can't be too, obs- absolutely, and you can't, you can't be too obsessive with it either because yeah. then again, that goes down the route of, you know, we don't go to, like down the pathology of that and it can become a problem yes so um you know but just i think just roughly knowing and like that goes back to what i said earlier roughly knowing on average how many calories you're burning in a day um you know how you're expending expending energy uh, and how much energy you're taking in because remember guys yes. in the day that's food it's energy yes it's energy and, also, and if think- your body is not using the energy effectively it will store it I think basic biology linked to that as well. What I found very interesting, obviously we both have friends outside of P 
people who work or have done bodybuilding or work in the fitness space. Yes. If you ask the average person to estimate how many calories are in the food that they are eating, they have no idea actually no what they're putting into their bodies. So the moment you start to track your calories, you start to psychologically see the food that you're eating as energy and you realize, holy moly, if I'm eating a pizza, some pizzas are like 2,000 plus calories. That is your daily intake that you're burning in one meal. So you've had your breakfast. Maybe you've had three, 400 calories for breakfast. You have something light. Mm-hmm. You have a, maybe a very healthy lunch. Again, three, 400 calories. And then you think, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I've been healthy today. So let me have a pizza tonight because let me, uh, you know, I'm not going to go over my calories. I'm done. Without realizing, bang, you've eaten your 2,000 calories that you, allow, that you inverted commas, allowed yeah. for the day. And there you're yeah. 800 calories over for the day. And you don't even realize it. And then you have a glass of wine. That's another 200 odd calories. And before you know it, you're 1,000 calories over what you should have eaten. Yeah. And um, then you basically, you've had two days worth of calories in, in one day. In one day. So yeah. I think it's just also just about empowering yourself with that knowledge and knowing. There's nothing wrong with having pizza, guys. Full yes. disclaimer right now. Stacey and I are not saying that you must not have pizza and you must not enjoy yourself. Life is about, and you know, that's the beautiful thing about mealtime. Meals, for me, it's not about the food. Having a meal for me is about sharing a moment with family and friends, yes. making memories. Yeah. Because think about the times when you meet up with friends and family. It's often around a meal. Yeah. And I mean, Taren, um, there's so much. Yeah. So Taryn and I actually took a leaf out of your book. We made a promise to each other. When we cook at home, we actually bought a dining room table for that purpose. When we cook a meal at home, we seat, sit, we seat, we sit and we eat together when we eat at home. Yes. And it's so powerful for our relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Very important. Because otherwise you live past one another, right? 100%. I mean, that's a whole other topic we can go down to. But yeah, yeah I mean, geez, guys, we've been talking for quite a while now and there's just so much more we could say. But And I know yeah. we've really just scratched the surface. We haven't even gone down really the mindset side of things, but yes. really just sort of sharing a little bit about our background in terms of nutrition and exercise yeah. um, and where we're at. Um, yeah, and I think at the end of the day, just rem- just remember that um, it's a journey. You know, wherever you are in your life, it's not about it's not about the destination, um, and it's about being healthy, whatever that means for you. And it's a very very subjective term. And I think just um, bef- maybe you know, just quickly before we so start to wrap up, Jettles, is yeah. another thing that interestingly enough that I didn't really think about before doing my PT course is you've also got to realize that. A lot of the diets that people just grab offline and those things, sorry, online and those kinds of things, it's it ends up in yo-yo dieting because it's so restrictive Absolutely. that it's not sustainable. So you you have to find a diet that you are able to maintain as a lifestyle choice. You don't want to be yep. uh, diet three months, put the weight back on in a month, diet again three months, put the weight back on. You need to find something that is able to slot into your lifestyle. You, it it has to be a shift in lifestyle. It cannot be so restrictive that you cannot maintain it. The, the biggest factor about yep. dieting or eating in general is is making it sustainable. You have to have – and that's and that Jade was saying earlier. It's about balance, and that's why Jade also reiterated. We're not saying don't go and have a burger, don't go have a pizza, don't go enjoy a glass of wine or have a beer. Those things are, all, are all fine and okay in a balanced diet. It's just that you need to realize if you're serious about – getting into shape you you can't have three burgers in a week or two pizzas in a week 
you you have to comp make a compromise somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's about deciding what's important to you. You know, at the end of the day, you can't you can't be having you know going out three four times a week, drinking up a storm eating like erratically not getting enough sleep there's a whole bunch of fact not drinking enough water you yeah. can't be completely negligible over your over your health and then also expect to want to you know look like jennifer lopez you know yeah. something's got to give and yeah. you know I, I often 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 see it with with my clients is that you know they want to be healthy and they want to be better about their health but sometimes they're just not prepared to make the sacrifices and the yeah. compromises that guys, unfortunately, sorry to have to tell you that sometimes is what it takes. You've got to decide what version of you, you want to live. Yeah. And that's a decision. That's a choice. Don't be fooled. You are not, you are not helpless in your life. You are making a choice. If you are choosing to go out and eat unhealthily 80% of the time, you know, or, or eat unbalanced more often than you're eating more mindfully. That is a choice. Yeah. That is a choice. And okay? also, an, um, so if, yeah. Another thing that I've learned, uh, again, re reading a book, there's a book out there called The 80 20 Principle. It's a principle that applies across a lot of nature and a lot of, a lot of business and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Interestingly enough, you'll probably find there's actually 20% of the things you're doing is causing 80% of the damage. To, to your health and your goals. So you actually is a small handful of things that you can very quickly change and fix will solve most of your problems. So for example, yep. tracking your food daily and realizing, oh, wait a minute, every time I add that dressing, I'm adding an extra 100 calories that I could actually change dressing to a, a calorie-free dressing and there, bang, 100 calories gone just by being mindful of what you're putting in. So yeah, another important thing is just that it's probably very small things that can get you the quickest success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So funny. Um, to, uh, just, I, I know we have to wrap up now, but um, do yourself a favor. If you haven't checked him out before, I, I absolutely enjoy him so much. I follow him on Instagram. Have you heard of the Australian uh, trainer, James Smith? James Smith. I have heard of him, but I haven't, to be honest, I've oh been my gosh, so he's busy. Brilliant. I haven't been able to look at his stuff. No, no, no worries. Now, I'm not say, sitting here saying that I completely subscribe to everything that he says and thinks because, um, you know, I've, I haven't followed him closely enough to say that, um, you know, wholeheartedly. But he did whip out a video not too long ago. It was quite funny and he spoke about this very topic. Uh, we're, not, we're not here to demonize food. No food is inherently evil or bad for you. Um, or, you know, you, you, have these, you have these things all over social media where they say, don't eat cereal, for example. This is a great example. Don't eat cereal because it's going to make you fat. It's full of sugar, blah, 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 blah. blah. No, mate, you can have cereal. It's got, you know, you can have a burger, you can have pizza, but you need to understand that if that is your normal, if that is your 80%, yep. or even if it's, or even if it is your 20%, but to the point where it's binged, yep. then yes, you will put on weight and you will get fat. Yeah. You can have cereal, pizza, chocolate, whatever, alcohol, but you've got to recognize that in moderation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Joe, sure, we can the, go on and on about this yeah. until we're getting all piped up here and passionate. <laughs> the, the, the biggest, yeah, I mean, we can also, we can, I think we can, we're going to have to definitely unpack 
we can actually even have a full-on episode about training and how we set up programming for clients. We can definitely go into yeah. more detail about the same with nutrition and, and also for mindset. So I think right now, great for us to just have laid out sort of our, our basic philosophy of, of what we subscribe to regarding training and Absolutely. nutrition. And obviously, if anyone has questions that they want us to dig deep into certain topics, I mean, some things come to mind, you know, just Jade touching on there. Certain food groups I would recommend that you stay away from. For example, um, I'm a big big believer in trying to avoid processed meats, for example. There does seem to be links to cancer with processed meats. So those kinds of things, I think, obviously, they are cheaper than 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 the other kinds of meat so that is a factor for some people but if you can afford to avoid it avoid those kinds of things but again as i was saying maybe we can dive deeper into those exact sorts of things next yes. time absolutely absolutely sure thanks for having me my boy i really appreciate it this has been awesome and um, i think cool, yeah you know we could we could go on and on and on but um yeah this is this has been very very cool and i've really enjoyed this and i hope that um, the listeners have uh, can take away something from it you know yeah. even if it's something small even if it's yeah, you know, maybe or maybe it's even, geez, I disagree with what Jade and Stacey are exactly. saying. Please, by all means, like, let's start a conversation. Let's start yes. a dialogue, you know. it's And if you do disagree again, with you know, us, let us know why. Because we, we, yeah. we're not closed-minded people. We're open to being challenged. We're open to Absolutely. suggestions. To learn. And obviously, my, the way, the things that I believe in, the things that I think comes from the, the training course that I went through. So, and Jade, I'm, yes. I'm guessing, would be the same. So, you know, yes. we're happy to be challenged and happy to talk about things. And yeah, please don't shy away from from being critical of us. One thing I do ask is just you, you can be critical, but you can also be kind. You know, there's no reason to sort of be disrespectful. As long as you're respectful, Absolutely. I'm happy to engage with, with disagreement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, debate and dialogue. Beautiful yeah. thing. Beautiful yeah. thing. Um, and, and I think that just also to sum it up, guys, with all of this, be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. The health and fitness journey is is a is a an up and down one. It it, it really really is ebb and flow. Um, you, it's not linear. Um, and you, if you're on your own health and fitness journey, remember above all else, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, whether it's this episode or this entire podcast and how it will unfold, um, be kind to yourself. Yep. Be kind to yourself. Okay. And be patient. And be patient. Yeah. All right, Jadles. Thanks, thanks so much, so much for joining. Thank you. I appreciate for, thank you. Appreciate you and thank you for having me. <laughs> I want to say a huge thank you to all the listeners for giving up your time to listen to the show. I understand that time is the most valuable resource, so I really, really appreciate you tuning in. Next time I speak to Natalie DeToy, a retired South African swimmer, famous for her gold medals that she's won at the Paralympic Games. Another one of Natalie's most awesome achievements was that she qualified for the Beijing Summer Olympics in 2008 for able-bodied athletes. I can't wait to share our conversation. So until next time, stay lean.